Mothers deserve the absolute best. So this Mother's Day, spoil the moms in your life with little luxuries from Osea. Osea's skin and body care is the perfect way to remind all the moms, mother figures, caregivers, grandmothers, and mother-in-laws in your life to make time for themselves. If you have been looking for the perfect gift, I recommend Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I've been using it for years and it seems like every single time I apply it, I get compliments on my skin. This body oil is rich, but it's never greasy and it's clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. Your skin will feel more sculpted and toned and you'll be left feeling silky, soft and glowing. Another favorite of mine is the Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Ever since I've been using collagen, I have noticed a difference in my skin. In fact, it's never been better. Using Osea's body oil and lotion together is a mega moisture duo, giving you a full body glow. Osea's products are infused with our signature Andaria seaweed, but it's also clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Really just a perfect gift for yourself, the moms in your life, and even the planet. Spoil the moms in your life with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. I can't stop smiling. You guys, I seriously can't stop smiling. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I even had some bad news like 30 minutes ago and I'm still in the best, in the best possible mood. I am so excited to be talking to you today. I'm so excited to sit here in my little podcast throne and I'm really excited about this topic that we're going to dive into. It's uh, an episode I've wanted to record for a couple of weeks now and today it's finally happening and I'm really, really, really excited about it. Today, we are going to talk about morning routine. I'm going to share with you in detail the ins and outs of the Yoga Girl morning routine, my morning ritual, my sacred morning. I'm so excited to get into this because this is literally something that I have just become so passionate about lately. I don't know what to, I don't even know how I, how I became this kind of person who is now relentlessly out in the world telling people to get get up earlier. Like I, my whole entire life have been a night owl. Always, always, always. Like it's in my nature. I'm always up late. I always have this feeling like I'm missing out on something if I go to bed early, Uh, like all the exciting stuff. Like I come to live at night and it's been in my habit my entire life to stay up super late. Like that's just who I am. I had a year of my life where I got up really, really early and that year was an anomaly. Like I had a year of my life when I was 18 years old. I just moved to Costa Rica, just changed my whole life, turned my life upside down. That year I was up uh, before sunrise uh, pretty much every day. But that year was an anomaly. It wasn't my, my regular rhythm, right? And what was different about that year, it was also one of the years of my life where I felt the most amazing I have ever had. But did it ever occur to me, you know, in the, what, 14 years that have transpired after that to return to that, (laughs) to that morning routine? No, no, never crossed my mind. (laughs) So I'm really excited. I've taken some questions from social media today. I really plan on answering all of your questions about morning rituals. 
I'm going to share really step-by-step kind of what the process is that I move through in the morning and the things that I have really defined as the recipe for success, the components that I feel are 100% must-haves in terms of creating a really sacred, a really special morning ritual. So we're also going to talk about, of course, how you can make this really individual and fit into your own life. I don't think there's such a thing as one size fits all. You know, of course, it's taking habits and little tools and resources and little tips and tricks and then adapting that in a way that fits us. So I'm excited. I hope you're excited too. Before we dive into the juiciness of this, let's take a moment to ground into the body. So just wherever you are right now, closing your eyes, giving yourself a moment to tune in. You can place your hands somewhere to your body. I feel really drawn right now to place my hands on top of my heart. So I'm going to do that. And then just checking in, you know, without waiting, without without skipping a beat, just drop right in and check. How are you feeling right now? How are you feeling right now? And then what we're looking for in this moment really is the feeling and how it's expressed in the body. So for me, for example, right now, I'm sure you can tell by my voice, I'm feeling really joyful, feeling really happy bubbly, excited. And those are all, you know, labels of feelings. So instead of just labeling that feeling as something, going a little bit deeper, just feel that in the body. What is my experience of feeling joyful right now? What does it feel like? So I can sense in my belly, my lower belly, there's a bit of warmth there, almost a little bit of a tingling feeling. It's like I have a, like I've I've just had some soda, like I have some carbonation, like little tiny little air bubbles in my stomach in a good way. (laughs) And then I can also sense just some activity, some energy around my heart space where I have my heart, where I have my hand resting right now. I feel warm. I feel soft. I feel grounded. Like I can just really melt into this chair. Feels good. And then I have a a teacher of mine, a friend of mine who always says, and good means, you know, what is good? What is the feeling of good? Makes me feel warm, makes me feel at home. So whatever feeling you are experiencing right now, and it could be the opposite of joy, right? It could literally be that you are feeling angry right now, frustrated, you're feeling hateful, you're disgusted, anxious, fearful, you know, any of those things could also be something really in between, right? Maybe you're just feeling, you don't know, feeling fine, feeling numb, feeling disconnected. Whatever is there, look for that. And then see if you can describe it to yourself. So what is that feeling? And what does it feel like in the body? Where in the body is the feeling centered? What's the temperature of the feeling? What's the sensation around this feeling? Is there an activity around it? Is it moving? Does it feel stagnant? What does it feel like to experience this thing? And then allow it for just a little bit. Give yourself space just to notice, just to feel, to allow for your own experience. And then whatever is there, right? Whatever it is, we 
are going to try to avoid labeling it, even if it's just something that you're doing in your mind as good or bad, right? So where I am right now feeling joyful, avoiding the label of good, because when I label one of my feelings as good, automatically it puts other feelings under the label of bad. So feelings are just feelings. They're not good or bad. And trying to get away from this idea that we want some of them and others we don't want. And just embracing them all when they come our way. Let's take a deep, deep, long breath into whatever feeling is true for you right now. Hold it at the top for a moment and then open the mouth and let it out. Hmm. You can blink your eyes open. Wow. <laughs> I I cried a little bit just now, isn't it? I I love crying because I'm feeling joyful. I love crying. I mean, I love crying overall. Crying, however crying happens, I think is <laughs> is a really good thing. The release of crying because you're you're really sad or crying because you're frustrated or overwhelmed or it's too much. Crying is always a release of some sort, but the tears that come just because you're feeling a lot of joy, that's a special kind of, kind of, kind of tear, right? Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. Before I dive into the morning routine topic of today, so I just, the, the piece of bad news I just got, and this is like fantastic. <laughs> Um, I just taught a class at Island Yoga this morning. It was a really sweet class, you know, quarantine, kind of isolation, social distancing style, size class. It's a small class and um, just felt really grounded. I had an older lady join today and she was really new to the practice. And I love, I love, my favorite thing is witnessing people finding the practice for the first time. So, so, so beautiful. And we had a few tourists join today, which is exciting that there's, you know, people, people visiting and coming to the studio. And then at the end of class, one of the, one of the girls who joined 
asked me, she asked, Hey, do you have like a, like a taxi company that you really recommend or one that you work with? And I said, no, they're all great. You know, we have like two that we always use here that we always, that we work with, but I, I normally don't hear bad things about, about them, any of them. And she said, no, but I really want one that you recommend. And I said, well, like you can just find a nice driver that you like and then ask for that person's number and then call them again and again. And then she said again, no, I really want to know which one you recommend because I had a bad experience today. And I go, what do you mean? And she tells me the story of how she got in a car at her, at her hotel and said she wanted to go to Island Yoga and the taxi driver didn't want to take her to Island Yoga because the taxi driver hates me. <laughs> and I'm saying this laughing right now. I'm smiling at this. Like this is a long ways away from where I was a couple of weeks ago. If you've missed the story completely, I said something stupid online and I underwent this process of being canceled. And I think I'm still probably one of the most hated people in Aruba where I live, which somehow I'm fine with. <laughs> I don't know how I'm fine with this, but I, I guess I am. So she told me that story and that she said, no, I really want to go there. And that he spent the whole ride saying what a horrible person I was and what a horrible business Island Yoga is and that she shouldn't go there. She should go to another place. And in the end, he, he said, fine, I'll take you there. But that's because I'm a good person. But I normally don't take anybody there. And I haven't had that experience yet since this canceling thing where we actually had our business impacted negatively. And it opened my eyes to the fact that, oh yeah, this is probably happening, happening a lot. It's just, it's not happening in my face. And it led to like a hard conversation with Dennis and, you know, and then I was just sitting here, this happened, this was 30 minutes ago and, and I'm still really joyful in a normal state of mind. If I wasn't feeling so grounded and good the way I am right now, and a big reason as to why I am is my morning ritual. Like that is it's, it's a huge reason as to why I'm feeling so steady and so good. And I'm, I'm sitting here with that news, you know, and in a normal state, I would probably cry. I would feel low. I would feel like I have to call someone and vent. And, you know, I'd feel low for the whole rest of the day. And instead, I'm fine. <laughs> like, I'm feeling, still feeling joyful. I can feel sad about this thing, but it's, it's not occupying my whole body right? It's like I can hold a sliver of sadness that I feel that that stuff is happening, but it doesn't ruin my day anymore, right? It doesn't take over my whole state, state and frame of mind. And it's also kind of a beautiful realization right now, because I haven't had that until just now, that I'm okay. Like I'm actually, it's one thing being okay when everything is fine around you, right? Not having anyone tell me anything bad or negative, not being triggered, like not having that wound triggered. And now I just had, had, had that trigger and I'm, and I'm okay. Like that's, that's a really good sign. <laughs> so that's where I am, you know, personally, like I normally start these shows, like how I'm doing from the heart and, and that's, that, that's it. So I guess the, the consensus of, of this is to, <laughs> to quote Glennon Doyle, we can do hard things. We can overcome hard things and we can experience hard things and still feel joy when joy is there. So fucking amen to that. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm so, so excited to share with you my, my, my morning routine, morning ritual, a little bit about how this got started for me. So I just shared, I had a whole year of my life when I was, 
when I was really young, young and <laughs> young version of, of Rachel, when I was 18 years old, like about to turn 19. And I spent a year in Costa Rica and it just became, it just became something that unfolded naturally for me. If you've ever lived in a, in a surf culture or in a place where surfing culture is really, really strong, Dawn Patrol is like a big part of that, getting up at dawn, surfing and, and things like that. So the community I was in then were all very early risers. And I got into the habit of, of getting up to go surf really early or getting up to watch the waves really early or just getting up early because everyone else was doing it. And then I started practicing my meditation instead of doing it in the evening. I would do it first, first, first thing. And I got up before the sun rose and I brought my little puppy and I went down to one of the lifeguard towers that were there on the beach. And I sat there and I sat there and I sat there and I sat there and I didn't have a lot of doing. I wasn't working out. I wasn't even at the time practicing asana or rolling out a mat. I just sat. And I think I was in a very peaceful state of mind then that it was an easy thing for me to do. It didn't feel like a struggle to get up early. It didn't feel like a struggle to meditate for that long. It's kind of the interesting thing when we are in a flow state, doing more of the things that keep us in flow state are easy. When we're out of flow, when we're kind of you know, stagnant or going up, we feel like life is this uphill battle, then it becomes much more challenging to actually do the things and the practices that bring us toward flow, which is why it's so goddamn hard to get out of a negative cycle. It's, it really, really, really is because the, the shittier we feel, the easier it's going to be to reach for things that are on that vibrational level, right? To eat, to, to reach for foods that are comforting, but that actually doesn't, that don't nourish us, right? It becomes easier to reach for alcohol, for cigarettes, for drugs, for numbing out in any way, Netflix, drama, gossip, reactivity, you know, whatever things that we use to, to not have to feel, right? We reach for those things when things are hard. Of course, like everybody does, I do. And the more we reach for those things, the harder it gets to, to suddenly wake up one morning and decide, hey, I need to change my life. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to eat healthier or I'm going to sleep better or I'm going to move my body more. All of that is like impossible. It becomes an impossible task when we are in the cycle of, of negativity or we're in that cycle of, of not nourishing our, our bodies, our minds and our souls. And I got stuck there. <laughs> I don't know when, you know, after I had that year in Costa Rica, I kind of lost that early morning routine. But overall, you know, I, I live a, lead a healthy lifestyle. I always have. But this year definitely got stuck in that negative spiral, like 100% did after being canceled. <laughs> I was totally, two things happened for me when that happened. One is it, it totally pulled me down into, into really, 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 really low frequency of, of life, both in my mind, in my body, and in my day-to-day. -day. All I could reach for, like that felt doable, was I wanted alcohol, I wanted wine, at the end of every day, I felt like I had a need for it. Um, like I couldn't wind down. Like it was something that I was suddenly reaching for to cope with all this heavy stuff. And that's not normally my normal relationship with alcohol, that I have to have it to manage something. It's like, I love wine. I enjoy wine with dinner. I love wine tastings. Like I love enjoying that as a social thing. But the feeling of I need it, no. And that's not, you know, it's not a, a path I want to stray down. Definitely, definitely not. Um, I have a lot of alcoholism in my family and, you know, that goes way, way, way back generations. So that for me was a big, 
wake-up call, but also something that was kind of keeping me asleep, right? I wanted to be on the couch. I wanted to watch Netflix. I wanted to eat ice cream. I was eating vegan magnums. <laughs> it's the best ice cream of all time. If you've never had vegan magnum on a stick, oh my God, <laughs> it's the best. But the things that I think normally, or that should be, I don't want to use should because should, my friend Jen says, should is an asshole. Don't should are all over yourself. She's, she's amazing. Jen passed the law, but should or should not. So I, I, I think for me, what happened is things that used to be a treat that I used to enjoy became something that I did every day and stopped enjoying and just did out of habit. And it kept me in that really low vibration of just feeling shitty every day. And of course, the more wine I drank, the more sugar I ate in the evening, the more Netflix I watched, the later I stayed up at night, right? Because I, I wanted to stay up really, really late so I could engage in this behavior. So I could eat and drink and, and lie on the couch. The worse, obviously, I felt when I woke up in the morning. And then I had a bad day or a hard day. It became even harder to make constructive decisions, you know, in my day-to-day -day in terms of like rolling out my mat or doing my yoga practice or eating a healthy lunch or all those things that normally aren't hard for me became really hard because I woke up feeling like crap. And then, you know, I would go through the same cycle in the evening again of, well, I feel like crap, so I'm going to reach for things that are crap, right? That's just, that's just how it works is what we feel like we reach for you know? And I think if we lose that, that day-to-day -day really important practice of just taking basic care of ourselves, like the basics, I'm not saying you shouldn't drink wine and you shouldn't eat sugar and all, you, you guys know me, I'm all, like we should all live our lives the way we want to live our lives. We don't have to be purists, we don't have to, we don't have to rise at four in the morning and, and have this rigorous, like, you know, disciplined thing to call yourself a yogi, like I'm very much to each their own. But what's really important is that we don't stray too far in the other direction and suddenly we're justifying things that really make us feel bad under this guise of, but I'm just, I'm just living my life, right? Because we all want to feel good. We want to feel good. That's the thing. We want to feel good. And I completely lost that, <laughs> lost the ability to feel good, lost the ability to snap out of my funk. So that was one thing that happened when I was publicly shamed and, and hated and, and all of that happened. But the second thing that happened, which was really interesting that the, these two things aligned together was that it woke me the fuck up. <laughs> and I didn't realize this until really recently. I, I told a friend of mine and this came out, it came out without thinking. It came out without, it wasn't like something I, I thought about and sat down and realized. And then I said, it was something that just organically came out of my mouth. And I said, well, I'm really grateful that, that that happened now because it really woke me up and I feel so much better now. And she went, what, what was that? You said you're grateful. <laughs> and I had to stop myself and go, wait a minute. I'm actually grateful. I'm actually fucking grateful that this thing ru basically ruined my life <laughs> because it woke me out of, it woke me up from my slumber. It shook me. It shook my life. It was horrible. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to experience it again. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, but it woke me up. Right. And it woke me up in a really important way. So when I was down in that pit, you know, and I kind of found myself, um, I don't want to, I don't know if it's what's rock bottom or not, but I just, I realized one day that I am so sick of waking up feeling like shit every day. I really am. I'm so sick of dragging myself to my yoga mat. Like I was still practicing. I was still moving. I was running a lot. 
but I was doing it out of like force. You know, I had to really make myself do the thing because I didn't want to do it. You know, I didn't want it. it was everything felt uphill. So if you're in that place right now where you feel like doing things that you know are good for you feel really hard, chances are that you are stuck in this overall vibrational field of, I just feel like crap. So it's easier to reach for crap, right? And what we need in those moments is to snap ourselves out of the funk and snapping ourselves out of the funk has to happen through some drastic measure. It's not going to happen through those tiny little incremental meanie things that we do a little bit here and there. I think... It's amazing to make small changes. And we know I had a whole podcast episode about this like two, three weeks ago, that tiny changes can can lead to big change over time. Absolutely. Well, when we feel totally freaking horrible and we feel like it's impossible for us to get out of that funk, then doing something drastic, dramatic to wake us up, it can be really, really, really helpful. And I think works faster in a way. So for me, I did both of these things at the same time. I realized I don't want to feel like crap anymore. I need to change. I started making incremental mini baby changes, like started drinking much more water in the day. That's not a crazy hard thing to do. I stopped watching so much TV. Like I was like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch six episodes of Top Chef. Let me watch three. (laughs) Okay. Like tiny things like that. Like it just little changes, um, walking the dogs a little bit more, like stuff like that, that didn't feel like an impossible thing. And I did something really drastic and dramatic, which was I started getting up at five in the morning. And yeah, I say that like lovingly, it's a dramatic fucking thing to do. It's drastic. <laughs> it's, uh, it's especially if you are a night owl, like I am, uh, or, and if you've spent, if you've spent your entire life, like my entire adult life, I have been up uh, as late as I can justify basically normally go to sleep, you know, 11 midnight, one around, they're usually around midnight and I still wake up the same time every day, which is usually around 6.30 or 7 when my kid wakes up. So I've just had very little sleep. (laughs) I don't know how many years I've lived just with very little sleep and just felt that that was totally fine. So I decided to start getting up at five, to start getting up really early. That was my dramatic shift, my dramatic change. And I started implementing a routine and a ritual that, that made sense to me. So this has kind of evolved over time over the past two months this has evolved from from me just getting up at five you know not really knowing what to do with myself in the morning kind of like rolling out my mat because that's my go-to to practice to actually what I've realized now has become an incredibly structured 10 step routine <laughs> I, I I wrote it down for the first time today like here is what I do every single day like here's exactly it if I would you know and it's like lit it's literally 10 things 10 steps I could make them like the 10 commandments of an epic morning. And I'm going to share them with you right now. And the reason this makes me so excited is because this has changed my life more than anything has in the past five years. Like really, in the past couple of years, in terms of how I take care of myself, in terms of my physical health, mental health, which is, I think we don't, we measure physical health at a higher level than we do mental health, but I would probably say that mental health is more important than our physical health because when we are mentally well taking care of the body is easy you know it's second nature when we're not feeling well mentally taking care of the body feels impossible right so we have to start in that direction and that really begins not just with the mental part of the mind but with the heart right on that emotional level 
And it's really my hope and my wish that you can take this routine, these 10 steps and make them yours. So if you're intrigued by this, if you're excited by the idea of this, if you feel like, oh man, I'm really pulled in this direction, maybe the universe has given you a lot of signs lately that you are meant to start rising earlier or that you're just drawn to implementing a really serious morning ritual. For me, what happened is I started getting up at five, started, you know, thinking about it. I had like, I don't know, four or five days. And then I was kind of wavering. I had a really hard time waking up. One day I got up at six and then I was like five again. And then I went to the bookstore one day on my way to pick up Leah from, from daycare, just randomly with Dennis. We like never go to this bookstore. We were driving by, we had some time, we stopped and I walked in and the first book I see is the 5am club by Robin Sharma. If you haven't read this book, he's a really quirky guy. Like I'm sure you know him. He wrote The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. He's like a kind of like a self-development, personal development, transformation style of type of inspirational guy. Love him. Super, super, super love him. The book is really quirky. It's filled with quotes from amazing people. It's just, it's very, very, very detailed. I am not doing his kind of, he has a structure for his 5 a.m. club. I'm not doing that. I'm doing my own thing. But just the fact that that was the first book I saw for me was like, oh my God, okay, this is an affirmation. This is just a confirmation from the universe that I'm, I'm on the right path. I read the book. I love the book. I, I just, I recommend that book really. If, if you're interested in this, I, it's, it's an intense book. Like it's a big book. I'm hoping to get him on the podcast. That would be just a dream to, to really get into the science behind waking up early. And he has this whole movement going across the world called the 5 a.m. club, where you wake up at five and you follow this pretty like disciplined, really specific routine in the morning. So he's been a huge inspiration of mine here, but I, I, I am doing my thing. <laughs> so, and what I think was for me, what was missing or the component that was missing in the 5am club way of doing things is the emotional component and the dance component. It's just things that I do in my own personal practice that I incorporated into my morning that, that completely changed my life. And I'm hoping that it can also change yours. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. So step number one, the very, very, very first thing you have to do to implement a sacred epic morning routine, which of course we know is going to lead to a sacred epic day, right? The best way to have a great day is to start your day off great. The very first thing is jump out of bed, get out of bed, just get out of bed. <laughs> and I say this laughing because it's of course sounds like such a such an obvious thing, like to get up at five, you got to get up at five, you know, but seriously, if you hit the snooze button, you're it's game over. Like snoozing, 
one time is game over. It's not going to happen. And there's something about snoozing, I think, that kind of tricks the brain. The brain doesn't know, am I still sleeping or am I awake? It's confusing. Energetically, it's a really hard way to wake up. When we've snoozed and snoozed and snoozed, we don't go from deep rest, deep sleep to sudden awake and alertness, right? We, we're in this kind of halfway point. And I think it's really hard to get energized, to really get going with your morning routine if you're snoozing a bunch. So don't set your alarm on like 4.30 with the aim to get up at five and then snoozing 30 minutes. Like if you want to get up at five, set your alarm at five and get the hell out of bed at five o'clock immediately. Now, in terms of the time for this, so morning routine wise, not everyone has to get up at the same time, right? Everyone works differently. Some people have night shifts. Like I'm not saying that the only way to have a great morning or a good morning routine is to get up at exactly five o'clock. Five o'clock works really well for me because it's, it's not so early that it completely ruins my evening. Like if I would get up at four, I think I would have to go to bed at seven or, or something like that, which wouldn't really work for me. But it's also not so late that I don't have the time that I need. And everybody needs a different amount of time. I think having an hour to yourself, really a solid hour, is a really great place to start. For me, and this is me personal in my own unique situation, I give myself two, right? I give myself from 5 to 7 a.m. And that's because I have the ability to do that in terms of my, my evening life, my day-to-day. I can go to bed early. Like that's just in my day-to-day structure. I'm going to talk about what time I go to bed and everything as well. But five for me works really well. My daughter gets out of bed at 6.30. Sometimes she wakes up earlier and stays, like Dennis makes her stay in bed <laughs> until 6.30. So she joins me for the last 30 minutes of my morning routine, which is amazing and beautiful. I love sharing that time with her every morning. It's become like a really sacred part of our time together. So I have an hour and a half alone, and then I have the last 30 minutes with her, but I have two whole hours for my morning. For you, if what you have is 20 minutes, 30 minutes, like you need to decide for yourself, how much time do I need to actually have that sacred space in the morning? And chances are 20, 30 minutes, for me, it doesn't feel enough. I think we need at least an hour so that we can ground into the practices that we're going to do without feeling rushed, right? But you're going to adapt this and make it work for you, okay? Be reasonable with what you can do, but push yourself, you know? Don't be too comfortable. Don't be too comfy going, you know, but I like my my 11 p.m. moment that you have. Okay, if that's comfy and cushy, like that's okay, but then you're going to wake up when you've been waking up, right? So getting up early means we have to make a shift in the evening as well. So step one, get out of bed. In terms of alarm clock, I got a lot of questions about this. So I'm going to answer it here because I love getting detailed about stuff. I have one of these sunrise simulating alarm clocks. There's a bunch of variations of them online that you can buy. Um, So it's basically a big light and you can set how many minutes before your actual wake up time that you want the sun to quote unquote start rising. So it's like a big lamp and it starts off red and then becomes orange and then gradually becomes a bright light. And you can put there, you can put an alarm sound if you need that. You can put bird sounds, you can put ocean sounds. I don't need any sound at all. I'm super light sensitive and I'm a really light sleeper overall. So I just use the light, which is amazing. I sleep with both Leia and Dennis in bed right now. We have started co-sleeping. Leia is three and a half and now we are co-sleeping, which I don't know 
what's going on here? But we are all sleeping together and Leah and Dennis don't wake up with light at all. So I know it's a really safe way for me to have an alarm go off at five without waking them up. Before I had that alarm clock, I would put my alarm really low and I would leave my phone on airplane mode close to my head so that I could like reach for my phone right away and turn it off because I don't want to wake them up. But this is something that requires a little bit of like logistical maneuvering. Some people are, have a hard time waking up and you really need that, that, you know, loud sound in the morning. If you're going to go with an alarm sound, if you can find a peaceful alarm clock, I know this sounds like a little bit dorky. But I, there's a difference between waking up with that blaring kind of panic, you know, like bomb alarm sound versus an alarm clock that has like a soft way to wake up or waking up with a song or, or Tibetan bells or, you know, the singing bowl sounds like there's so many things you can find uh, now, both online for alarm clocks, like on your phone, there's apps for it. You can go to the app store or getting one if you're buying one. So that's what I recommend. The most important thing is that you get out of bed. Step number two is going to be to gather your things if you haven't already and then go to your sacred space. So I like to pre-prepare my mornings. And when I say gather your things, what I bring is the clothes I'm going to wear for the morning. I wear yoga pants, a sports bra, and a shirt. Um, whatever is comfortable for you, right? Sometimes I wear my shoes because I do some stuff that requires me to wear shoes. Then I put my my sneakers, I put them already. I have like a little tray with what I'm going to drink for the morning. If my journal, if I'm using my journal or I'm reading a book, I collect all the things that I need. Like if I'm lighting a candle, whatever, I have the whole area prepped and I bring that to my sacred space. And the sacred space, I want to talk about this because it's really, really, really important. If you listened to the podcast I did with Jay Shetty, it was fantastic fantastic podcast. I really recommend you um, listen to it if you haven't already. He spoke about, and I'm realizing now as I tell, as I say this, that for sure, Jay, the man, planted this seed in my brain. I spoke to him the same day that my life fell apart here. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that he said that really stuck to me was that location has energy and time has memory. So that the things we do for self-care should happen in the same place because the place you do the thing gets infused with the energy of that practice, right? And it makes it easier to drop right in. And the time has memory so that the time you do something, the body remembers it. So if you're meditating every morning, do it in the same place at the same time, for instance. And he planted that seed in, in me. Jay, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> but that's funny because that was before, that was way before I started getting up at that time, right? So gathering your things, sacred space. Now your sacred space, if you have a small apartment, this can be a nook, a little corner of your apartment. You know, if you're going to roll out your yoga mat, that, that it's a big enough space that you can roll out your yoga mat. If you're going to meditate, that you have your little meditation cushion or your folded up blanket or your blocks or whatever you need for that to happen. If you're going to work out, that it's a space where you can do that. You know, whatever you're doing, it needs to have the, the good amount of space for that. If you have a big house, like I have what used to be my guest room has become my sacred space. And outside of that, we have a little rooftop, like a mini rooftop corner. That's my sacred space. So I have this prepped and ready to go. And in terms of what to drink, because this was also a question and I'm going to involve this in step two, because it's what you bring to your sacred space, right? Every single morning, and I pre-prepare this the night before, I fill a 32 ounce 
um, jar, like one of those little, like it's like, I think it used to be a vegan mayo jar, <laughs> like one of those huge ones. I fill it with water. I put a lid on top. I prepare half a lemon. So it's already in my sacred corner, right? I have my teacup with the tea bag already open inside. And then I have the kettle on and, f- and not on. <laughs> no, I'm not burning down my house. I have my kettle full. So it's already ready. So in the morning, I just click you know, click on, on the kettle. So it starts to heat my water. I squeeze the lemon into my water. And then I have a big cup of tea and my 32 ounce lemon water. So throughout the morning, and I didn't calculate this until today, because a lot of people asked how much water and what do you drink when you rise? Like the first thing, what's the first thing you drink and eat? (laughs) Throughout my morning ritual, I drink 32 ounces of, and 32 ounces is a liter of lemon water and almost the same amount of ginger tea, which I didn't even know that I was doing that. I think it's, it's a lot. Like, I mean, I live in in the Caribbean, I live in a hot place and I'm always mega hydrated. I drink and drink and drink all day, but I didn't know that I'm drinking two liters, like, like 64 ounces of stuff before 7am. I don't know. I don't know if that's, I think it's good because I feel great, but you should drink, of course, what you want to have in the morning, right? So if you're one of those people where like, I need coffee in the morning, I suggest you have your lemon water or your water or whatever you're drinking first thing before you have your coffee, just for that little cleanse of the body, the reset. You just spent eight hours, hopefully reclined without drinking anything. So we wake up a little bit dehydrated every day. The body needs hydration to wake up. It's part of the waking up process is to drink. So drink that water. If you need coffee, drink it. I don't have coffee until much later in the day. So if you're making tea or something herbal or ginger tea, I find really warming and beautiful to drink in the morning. So, but that's what I bring. And I bring it into my sacred space. One important thing to note about your sacred space for your morning ritual is you need to keep it clean. There is something so beautiful about stepping into that sacred space to begin your morning ritual, knowing that everything is in order. The floor is clean. Everything is put away. It's organized. You have what you need. And if you have the ability to close a door behind you, you know, to do that so that you really feel like you have your privacy. Okay. Step three for an epic morning is to move immediately. I mean, really like you gather, you wake up, you get out of bed, you gather your stuff, go to your sacred space and immediately you move. So I drink a bunch of water and then I move. Like that's basically what I do. And movement here is such a, such a individual thing. I really think you need to interpret that for you. And I've been experimenting over the past couple of months on what kind of movement makes me feel the best first thing, because it's basically... 5.03, right? 5.03 a.m. And I'm moving my body to the point of sweating right away. And I played around with this a little bit, you know, like waking up and then first sitting in meditation and then going to movement. But I found that just when I move right away and I actually move until I sweat, it, it wakes me up and it wakes me up in an amazing, amazing way. Whereas if I go from my bed at five o'clock and I go sit down again, it's, it's, it's much, much, much harder to, to really wake up and to feel really good right away. And of course you might fall asleep in your meditation. So move right away, whatever kind of movement works for you in terms of that morning. If I didn't have a three-year-old sleeping and like four barking dogs that bark really like I, that bark, if I start to move around too much, I would probably go for a run because I'm, I'm, I'm in the running phase of my life right now. Like a 20 minute run would feel great. 
but I'm not doing that. I'm staying in my sacred space the whole time. So I'm doing movement that I can do within the realm of that, that, that little space. It's a small space. So what I do is I do 10 minutes of jumping on my trampoline. I, the trampoline I have, I got it on Amazon. I don't like to shop on Amazon, but I got it on Amazon. It was 65 or 70 bucks and it's lasted me a year, like a long time for something that I really felt was affordable in terms of how much I use it. I'm on that thing every day. If you're not into trampolining yet, I feel like I'm Phil Dunphy for anyone who watches Modern Family. Trampolining, rebounding, bouncing, you know, it's a really, really, really good thing for the body. Physiologically, it activates the lymphatic system. It's super cleansing for the body and it feels really, really, really good feels so, 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 so good. I've been trampolining all year, like literally all year, every single day. So normally I do it with Leia, you know, sometime in the afternoon or we have fun with it, but now it's part of those first 10 minutes. <laughs> the first 10 minutes of my day, I'm waking my body up with through bouncing. Like that's what I'm doing. But maybe for you, what you want to do is you want to do a bunch of sit-ups or you want to go biking or you want to do jumping jacks or you want to go for that run or you want to like dive right into super vigorous like asana and do 20 sun salutations, like whatever you need to do for you to move, I think is really fine. So I've done 10 minutes of trampolining, which feels really great. And then the, the other 10 minutes, sometimes I do my sun salutes, but normally I do, and this is like funny for being me. Anyone who knows me really well is going to laugh when I say this, but I've been doing burpees and jumping jacks and squats. Yeah. I can hear friends of mine, like laughing into the future as you're listening to this, because that's so not me, but it just happened organically. I'm in this little space. I want to move for like 20 to 30 minutes, depending on the day, 20 minutes, I think is fine. And it, it really works. So I do 10 minutes of trampolining and then I do, yeah, burpees, jumping jacks. I do some core work, just movement with my own body, right? for 20 minutes, like just move your body. That's also part of the 5am club is that Robin Sharma says 20 minutes of movement is the perfect amount of time. I feel like if I have a, enough time, I want to do 30, but as long as you move until you sweat, it's, it's amazing. Step number four. So I go right in, right from my trampolining and my like movement moment of the morning into dance and dancing is a non-negotiable part of my morning routine. And I really, really hope it becomes a non-negotiable part of yours. You might take, you know, I'm going to give you 10 steps to this routine. You might take three or four of these things and that's perfect for you and you make it your own. If I can nudge you toward one that I think is one of the most important things, and I do a bunch of stuff in the morning, it's the dance. It really, really is the dance. So what I do is I make a, a playlist that I have ready to go with just music that I know I love to listen to in the morning. I'm super into to Latin American music, to really ancestral music. I don't, I actually don't even know if there's a name for the genre that I'm really into when I dance in the morning, but you know what kind of music you like, right? Maybe you wake up and you want to, you want like techno at 5.30 AM. Like, I don't know. Whatever really makes you feel like you is what you're going to listen to, but you're going to pre-make that playlist. If you want to use mine, you're super free to use it. I have a playlist on Spotify Just search for yoga girl on Spotify. And this playlist is called sacred mornings. And it's just a collection of songs that I use for, for dancing anytime I dance. And I really want to feel into my body. This is what I dance to. And I update that playlist all the time. So it's free. Feel free to feel free to use that as much as you want. So dance in terms of, 
you know, what does it mean to dance? Am I standing here like doing the two step? Like, what are we, what, what, what are we doing here? When I say dance, I mean for you to tune into your body in a really deep way, really to begin by just placing your hands to your body, closing your eyes and beginning to move intuitively with the music. So it's not having some predetermined idea of what should dancing be, you know? It's not like dancing how we would dance going to the club or something like that. Not even dancing the, the way we would dance with other people in the room or with someone else there. But dancing the way we would dance when we were kids. Moving the body in whichever way feels good. And for me, every single day, it's different. Like some, some days I end up bouncing and I'm like a little Duracell bunny, just bouncing up and down, jumping around the room, super high energy. Some mornings I shake and I shake my whole body in different ways. Sometimes I really channel my, my inner toddler and I get down on the floor and I make funny faces and I just express myself in whichever way I want to express myself in that moment without thinking, but just through feeling and moving. Oftentimes I end up getting really sensual when I dance. I move my hips a lot. I try to start in this soft kind of sensual space and then just see where it takes me. And it doesn't matter at all what it looks like. It's really about finding freedom within yourself. So ecstatic dance, you know, go be totally wild. Get sexy, flow, jump around, bounce, go insane. You know, you can be slow and smooth and sensual and up on the floor. Like this is totally your space, your time, your ecstasy. But dance is a hugely important component, especially for what comes right after that. Step five. So right from the dance, without there being a single gap, I go into feeling. And I have this as a separate step because it is a really important component of my morning. The reason I have feel as a separate step is because this is so unbelievably important and there's going to be different ways for us to get into that place of feeling, but having a moment for emotional release in the morning, even if it's for just a minute is a game changer, total, total, total game changer. Oftentimes we wake up in the morning and we still have the residue of everything we were feeling the day before or everything we were feeling, but didn't have the ability to release and let out. So if we had a hard day yesterday, chances are that the energy of that hard day or the feelings from that hard day are still going to be lingering within your heart today, right? So I do this right as I'm dancing and I don't, I don't have it. I don't wait for the end of the playlist or you know, if you want, you can set, I want to dance for 10 minutes or I want to dance for 20 minutes or whatever you need. If you have short time, you know, you can dance for five minutes. That's okay. And just have that short amount of playlist. When the playlist is over, drop into feeling. For me, I try to do it intuitively. There's pretty much always that moment in my dancing. If I can really tune into my body and really dive deep where all of a sudden I start to feel something big. And it can be just like a little tingle of an emotion that's coming up, right? Maybe just a hint of sadness or all of a sudden I feel frustrated or I realize, hey, I'm angry about something or, or I feel really joyful and grateful and just good in my body. And that brings up feeling, right? The moment I have that little, little, just first tickle of a feeling, I drop onto the floor and I exaggerate it. Meaning if I'm feeling sad, I cry, but I make that cry a big cry, right? If I'm frustrated, I might be stomping my feet or I act that frustration out in my body. If I'm angry, I might punch into a pillow or into the sofa that's next to me. If I'm joyful, I make that joy 
really shine through. Maybe I holler or I, you know, dance really crazily with my hands up in the air. I just give myself a moment and this doesn't have to be a long time. It can be a minute, it can be five minutes. I think for me, it's usually like five minutes of my morning where I just go deeply into feeling. And sometimes something really big comes up and I end up lingering in that feeling for a long time, but it's basically a conscious emotional release. And I want to have a moment for that every morning. It's really what allows me to start the day fresh right? Or at the very least, it brings me enough awareness to notice that, whoa, here is what's moving inside of me today. I'm starting my day from the inside out instead of from the outside in. I haven't yet been triggered by all this outside stuff. I don't know if I mentioned this already, but in the morning, no phones, you guys, no phone, no screen, no computer, no TV, no radio, no messages. I still use my phone for music and I use it for a timer for my meditation practice, but you keep that beautiful airplane mode on all the way through. Okay. No Wi-Fi, no Bluetooth, no internet, right? You turn all of that off. So you shouldn't be getting any messages at all in the morning, meaning that you can really tune into how you're already feeling on your own before the world starts triggering you, right? So step number five is to feel, to go into feeling. And if you're having a hard time accessing something deep or big, you know, it can be spending three minutes with your hands to your heart, just exploring what is moving in my heart the same way we did at the very beginning of this podcast, right? Just giving yourself that emotional, heartfelt moment to feel. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Step number six. We have made it to step number six. This is the moment in my morning routine when I practice yoga. So I roll up my mat. My mat is usually already rolled out, but I bring all my props. I bring my blocks, blankets, strap, everything I I normally use. I use little like massage balls that I roll on and use for for my facial release and things like that. I just bring all my stuff, (laughs) all my yoga stuff. You don't really need anything. You barely even need a mat. You don't need a mat even for yoga. You know, you can practice yoga the way you are, but if you have your stuff, grab your stuff and practice. So I think because you're listening to the Yoga Girl podcast, chances are you have a yoga practice or you're dabbling in the yoga practice. Maybe you practice every day. For the asana portion of the morning routine, I start on my back always and I work my way gradually up to stand and then eventually I work my way back down and I end up on my back again. Meaning I like to have for my home practice a moment on my back reclined. And then from there, I might, I come to sit. I do something there. From there, I come to quadruped or tabletop. I do something there. I come to down dog. I come to my lunges. I come standing up. I do my sun salutations and then I work my way back down, you know, and then I come to my hip openers and then I do something restorative and then I come to Shavasana. So that's my process for a home practice. I think diving into the home practice should be its own podcast episode and I can do that in the future. But If you're practicing yoga, this is a really good time to do it because you've moved your body, you're warm, your heart is open, you've felt it's a perfect time to bring all of that presence and awareness into the intelligence of the asana, the poses that we practice on the mat. And how much time I spend in my yoga practice, it depends on that day. 
if you're tight on time, I really recommend deciding how much time you want to spend in each step. You know, which step feels really beneficial to you? Which one feels like it helps you the most? Which one makes you feel the best? That's of course where you should spend the majority of your time. But if you have a step that you feel like, Ooh, that's hard. That's outside of my comfort zone. So I don't want to do that. Chances are that that step is where the magic is. So if you feel a little weird about the idea of dancing like a wild person in the morning and you're like, no, I'm going to go straight to my down dog as I know my down dog, try the dance. Really, really, really give that a try. There's magic in those areas that we try to avoid, but choose for yourself how much time you want to spend. Okay. So asana is step number six. I think probably every day I should break this down in time just so I have a little feeling. Probably every day I spend at least half an hour in my asana practice the morning before I have my second practice later in the day. So around 30 minutes is what I spend on my mat. And in a normal day, if I was just rolling out my mat to practice yoga, I might spend an hour. But now I have other things I want to incorporate into my morning. So for me, 30 minutes of asana is, is perfect. Step number seven, we have arrived at our meditation practice. Now, of course, you can move these things around in whichever way fits you. I've had teachers that always taught sitting in silence, you know, before you move your body. And I've had teachers that do it after. I've had teachers who would break up asana and do it in the middle. For me, after I have moved my body, after I've done the poses, after I've had my physical practice is when I feel the most ready to sit. It's kind of like the physical practice. And, you know, that's how yoga originated thousands and thousands of years ago as a means of preparing the body to sit, right? So I'm ready to sit. My body is ready to sit. I, I feel focused. I feel present. I've done my yoga practice. You know, I feel ready for my meditation. So it makes sense for me to practice meditation after I've practiced physical yoga. But you choose for you. In terms of how I meditate, I set a timer. There's something about knowing that a timer is going to go off um, that really helps to ease my mind. So I use a little timer app on my phone. And depending on the day, sometimes I do 20 minutes, 20 minutes. It's usually what I try to go for. If some other step of that morning took a long time or ended up, you know, sometimes I dance for 45 minutes. I think it's important that we have some freedom in being able to intuitively do what makes sense for us, right? So if I've been dancing for 45 minutes, I don't have that much time, you know, for my yoga practice, right? So I, I alternate and, and shift the time I spend in each area, of course. But sometimes this morning I did 10 minutes because that's the time I had. So setting the timer calms the mind because you know, you don't have to worry oh, how much time has passed. Sometimes the mind tells me, really, I can hear my mind telling me, hey, hey, are you done? Am I done now? I think I'm done now. Yeah, this is it. This was a long time. <laughs> and I go, hey, you know, just come back to the moment, come back to the moment. So a timer works really well for me. And then I prop myself up. I always like to sit on something. It's a good thing to to allow, try to allow the creases of the hips to be a little higher elevated than the knees just for the lower back and for the hips. So sitting on a block or on a cushion or a folded up blanket is what I usually use. And then I practice my meditation and I sit. Step number eight, I blink my eyes open from my meditation practice. And what's wonderful, I do this outside. So of course, you know, if you're in Europe somewhere or you're in, you know, somewhere where it's starting to get cold, where it's starting to get dark. Obviously, it, you know, someone was writing me, hey, getting up at five in Sweden mid-October is not as fun as getting up at five in Aruba. 
And I, I, and I know, and I feel for you a hundred percent. So adapting to your environment, of course, you know, I do this outside. So I get to see the sunrise every morning. I love watching the sky, you know, that last moment before I close my eyes, when I begin my meditation practice and then opening them again, 20 minutes later and seeing how much has changed. You know, it's like a whole other sky 20 minutes later. It's so beautiful. And when I'm done with my meditation practice, I dive into step number eight, which is journaling. Journaling, oh, I talk about it so much on the podcast. You guys know I love my journal. And especially if you feel a little disconnected from the practice of journaling, having that as a set part of your morning routine, something you do every day. And you can set a timer for this as well so that you know you have a dedicated amount of time to spend. But journaling basically is time for you to spend with you. It's a way to get to know yourself better. It absolutely is a huge part of personal development, of getting to know our own wounds, our own triggers, our own emotional state, of figuring things out. You know, it's like doing a sharing with somebody, but it's just you, so it's private. It's such an important part of the morning. I like to just free write. I start every day, every time, I, every morning when I journal, I write the day. So this morning I wrote at the top of, of a new page. It's October 14th because it's October 14th, the day I'm recording this. The moon is in Virgo because I'm an astrology geek. I like to, I like to keep track of those things. That's how I start every morning. And then I write, right now I feel. As, as a beautiful way to start your journaling practice in the morning. Right now I feel. And just answer that question. What's going on inside of you? Write about that or anything that's on your mind, any epiphany, realization you've recently have, something you're pondering, a problem you're trying to solve, whatever is there, basically whatever is at the front of your mind, you put that thing on paper. So free writing or stream of consciousness journaling is great. I end every journaling session that I have in the morning with a gratitude list. And sometimes I write three things. I'm so grateful for, and I just list three things that I'm really grateful for in that moment. Some days I'm like sitting out there watching the sun rising and I'm crying because it's so beautiful. And I write about gratitude on all the things I'm grateful for. And I write and I write and I write and I write. And going back to look at those things, it's so beautiful. It really is. A journal becomes like a little keepsake, you know, of how you were feeling at a certain moment in time. I very rarely go back to old journals, but when I do, it's always like, oh, wow, you know. So journal and then having that moment for gratitude in the very end, I think is really beautiful, especially if you're going through a hard time or having a hard freaking year. I mean, who isn't? To have a moment every single day where you remind yourself of the blessings that you have in your life because they are there. Usually when I start to journal, that's when Leia wakes up. So that means I'm about 90 minutes into my morning routine. So I, I journal. I usually finish my journaling with her. She comes out. So it's 6.30 when she comes up. And uh, she always brings an apple from the fridge. Like that's her thing in the morning. She goes to the fridge. I grabs an apple and then comes upstairs. And I always keep, this is like a good tip. If, if you know, if you're expecting your kids to join you in your, in a part of your morning routine is to do the preparation for them as well. So I keep a uh, paper. What do you call it? I keep big sketch pads and uh, crayons up there in my sacred corner for her. So that when she comes out, we watch the sunrise together. She eats her apple. She's usually just quiet on the couch and then she's just drawing, you know, and we have those last 30 minutes together talking, drawing. It's so beautiful. 
So journaling is step number eight. Step number nine is read. And this step I find it's a little bit interchangeable. I don't do it every single day. For me, step 10 is more important than step nine. So if, I've, if I'm running out of time, I realize, man, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time practicing yoga today or I spend a lot of time in my movement or dancing or whatever it was, then I'll skip the read. So say about four days of the week, I, I read here because I find myself having the time to do it. And when I say read, it's I open up whatever book I'm currently immersed in. So I've kind of done the physical, the hard work, the mental, mental work. Like I'm really in that place now where I feel clear and that whatever I absorb in that moment goes really deep. So in this time of the morning, when I open up a book that means something to me, when I read sacred text or I read one of my favorite spiritual books or, or from a teacher that means a lot to me, or just something that I'm inspired by currently, it goes into a different place than it does when I read it when I'm in the middle of the day or before bed or something like that. It really, I'm able to read with more presence. I'm able to absorb the wisdom of of what I'm reading with much more depth. That's why I, I actually, I kept this as step nine because it is a really beautiful time to pick up that favorite book. Be Here Now by Ram Dass, it's always at the top of my desk. So that's one of the ones that I'm, that I'm grabbing a lot lately. This morning I read from The Untethered Soul beautiful book. I really recommend it. So a moment to read. And sometimes it's just a, just a chapter, right? That's it. Step number 10. And this, as I said, is a more important step for me than step number nine. So if I'm running out of time or, you know, it's time for me to, 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 to get laid out of school, I, I skip reading and I go straight into step number 10. Step number 10 is prepare for the day ahead. And this is a really important step. I used to think that, you know what, like um, my morning routine should just be for the sacred, spiritual, emotional, physical stuff. It should just be that. I should not go into any kind of thinking around what's coming next. I keep it really special. But what I realized is preparing for the day ahead is special. You know, it's really important that I take that sacred feeling from my first two most important hours of the morning and I infuse that into the rest of the day. So preparing for the day ahead means for me that I look at my schedule of the day. I take a moment. It's the first time I turn on my phone and I have that moment of consciously entering the world, meaning I see my text messages come in. I'm looking at my calendar. I'm not going into social media scrolling or anything like that. I might share something or a photo of that morning if I took a photo of the sunrise and things like that. I'm not going to get lost on my phone, but I look at my schedule. Okay, I have those meetings. I like to run through my day in my mind just so that I know what's ahead. No surprises that day, right? If I have a goal I'm really looking to reach that week, I'll take a moment and write about that. If I need to rearrange something, I make a note about that. Basically, it's just preparing for what's to come. I think that last final moment is a really good time for manifestation, for writing down your intention if you have one, working with an affirmation, working with goal setting, getting clear on, hey, what's this day ahead? What does it have in store for me? What do I have to get done today? What's something I can't forget? And that means when I close my morning ritual, I am ready for my day. I mean, I am so ready. You don't even know. I'm the readiest person. (laughs) I'm the most ready person in the world. 7 a.m. on the dot, I am sitting there smiling, rolling up my mat, gathering my kid, going downstairs, making her breakfast, and I'm just, I'm in the best mood. You know, the day, I'm already two hours into my day, and apparently I've already had 64 ounces of water. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, I know what's coming. You know, I've done my meditation. I've journaled. I've felt gratitude. I've felt my feelings. I have danced. I have moved. I've been sweating. All the things that make me feel amazing. By seven o'clock, I'm right there. And this might sound like a lot. I'm sure it does. If I would have listened to a podcast with, from, with someone you know, six months ago, sharing this as their morning routine, I would have probably sent a, a text to a friend of mine, like, man, this person is crazy. Who do they think they are? You know, what kind of, what kind of privilege does this person have to have to be able to do this insanity in the morning? The thing is, obviously I have a lot of blessings. I am a privileged person, but I am making this shit happen for myself. Believe you me when I say I am making this happen for myself. I am disciplined as hell and that's how I make this happen. And I could decide that, hey, I don't, I, I'm not going to spend two hours. That's overkill. I could sleep till six and do one hour of this and it wouldn't be as drastic and as crazy. But I find for me, and I experimented with that too, for me, the two hours, that's what I need. That's what I need. And I would rather get up at five and be done by the time the day starts. I, I go downstairs, I wake my husband up. He's still asleep. He doesn't wake up until I actually wake him up at 7.05, right? To have those two hours in the morning, it changes my whole life. And for me, an hour is not enough. And I am at that place in my life right now where I need to be all in with myself. I need to be all in with myself. And I cannot emphasize this enough. I, th th we can't half-ass our way through the rest of this year. I mean, at least I, I, I can't. You know, a little yoga here, a little meditation here and there. You know, no, I, this is where I am. It's been a really hard fucking year. It's been a barely survivable year. I'm at a place in my life right now where I need these two hours. And these two hours are not only saving my life, but transforming my life. I'm happier than I've been all year in a time that should be probably the worst time of my life, considering everything that's kind of unfolding around me and crumbling and all this stuff. And, and it's a hundred percent thanks to these two hours that I have every single day. So not saying that this is a one size fits all for everybody. I also know that there's something triggering. I, I sometimes get negative comments when I share on social media, a little bit about my morning. Oftentimes I get people who write me who are upset stop recommending people to get up early in the morning. Not everyone can do that, you know, and, and I know that that's because it's triggering something in them where maybe there's a longing there to rise earlier, to make a change in your life, but it's not possible right now, or we feel like it's not possible. So it's really important that we take the time to distinguish between what is actually impossible and what is possible. What's a true obstacle that I really can't overcome? Say you're a night shift worker. You work really weird hours. Hey man, <laughs> if you go to bed at two in the morning, you are not getting up at five. You, I mean, you, you are not, no way. You know, we need to get our rest. We need to get our sleep. So how can you make this work for you? Maybe the obstacle that you feel in your head isn't actually an obstacle, but it's the thing you tell yourself to keep yourself in that space of your comfort zone. Like I did for so long. I'm an evening person. Getting up at early is good for you, but that's not me. Turns out it is me. I was just really comfortable in that negative spiral that I had in the evenings of losing the hours of the day when I'm supposed to be resting, when I'm supposed to be nourishing myself, losing that to freaking Netflix. You know, I don't want to live like that anymore. So to kind of end where I began, I guess, I go to bed at nine o'clock, 8.30 
I, I, I start gathering my things. 8.30, I brush my teeth. I put on my PJs. You know, I start my, my little wind down into bed. And by 8.59, my head hits the pillow. And on a good day, I fall asleep within 10 minutes. So I get my eight hours of sleep still. Some days I get seven and that's okay too. And if I've had a day where, man, I'm up all night. I had a night like that last week. Leia wasn't sleeping. Dogs were barking. It was just a really messy night. And then I got up at six instead of five. And that's okay too. You know, we are all human. We got to allow ourselves to be human as well. So the point of that morning routine and rising early shouldn't be to compromise your rest or for you to have a loss right? It's supposed to add something magnificent to your life. And for that to work, you're going to have to change something in terms of when you go to bed, what you do at the end of the day, how you wind down. And then we weigh that. What's the pro? What's the con? right? So for me, what it means, I I thought I would lose time with Dennis, that we wouldn't have enough couples time or enough time to connect. But turns out those last hours of the day, I'm talking nine to 12, we are not... (laughs) We are not talking to each other. I mean, really, we are not nourishing our relationship. We're not intimate. Those moments there, we are droning on the couch side by side, looking at something on a screen, right? If we're getting intimate, we go to bed. We're not doing that when Netflix is on, right? That's another part of our routine. If we're immersed in deep conversation, that also doesn't happen on the couch because that's where the TV is. Then we're downstairs. Then it's a different kind of night, right? So I'm actually not missing out on that at all. But what I found is I am much, much, much happier in the day. I have more energy at the end of the day. And we are having more time to connect between ourselves in ways where I was just too exhausted before. So getting up earlier actually brought me more energy and it's really, really, really been good for our relationship too. So he normally stays up about an hour after I I go to bed, like until 10. It's made him go to bed earlier too. It's made him sleep more too. So far, all I have in my life is a lot of good things that have come out of this. If I encounter something bad or something challenging, then I'll change something, right? I'll adapt to make sure that this is something that always adds to my life. So I hope this has inspired you. I hope you feel like this is a recipe for success. I'm going to run through the 10 steps one more time, and I'm also going to write them out in the description of this episode so you can just glance at them real quick and then pick and choose which ones make sense for me. For me, they all make sense, and we should try to incorporate all of them in our morning routine. And then you try to adapt in a way for this to fit your life and your day, of course. First things first, step one get out of bed. (laughs) Step two, gather your things. So your water to hydrate and go to your sacred space, which you are keeping clean and beautiful. Three, move until you sweat. However you do it, doesn't matter. Four, dance with the intention to go deep within yourself. Five, feel, feel your feelings, have that conscious emotional release. Six, yoga, self-explanatory. Seven, you meditate, you sit in silence. Eight, journal, free writing. Make sure you end your journaling session with some gratitude. Nine, read, grab that favorite book of yours and read. And number 10, prepare for the day ahead. This, my darlings, these 10 steps is a recipe for a great day ahead. 
I love you so much. I really, really, truly do. I want to hear what you think about this morning routine, if it's totally insane and crazy. If you love the idea of it, if you implement it, please let me know. Talk to me on social media. I'm yoga underscore girl if you're not following me there already. But I really want to know how this is playing out in your own life. And if you end up making some changes or even adapting this routine in your own day to day, let me know how it's working out. I hope you feel really good and I hope having that time just for you in the morning makes a great positive change in your life the same way it has for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. I love you so much. The Yoga Girl Podcast will be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and for getting into those morning routines with me. If you enjoy the show, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. You can find all of them on yogagirl.com, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you normally get your shows. Don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thanks to my sponsors. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.